Let's all welcome Rebecca Sutton. Thank you so much for having me. It's always a risk to have a guest preacher. I know this. I know this. Uh, my parents were church planners, and uh, when we would have a guest preacher, no one is more cynical or less enthusiastic about a guest preacher than the children of the pastor, because it's like, hmm, right? I know this. Uh, while I'm here today, my husband, Kyle, is at Centennial helping lead worship this morning, and um, I wanted to say thank you. You picked two songs that are so meaningful to me, The Grave into Gardens. How many times I've been like, yes, you do, Lord Jesus, Grave into Gardens, like it means the world to me in reckless love. Thank you. I feel at home already with all of you. Today we are talking about no. When the Holy Spirit says no. And I remember sitting on my blue couch in an apartment in Madrid, Spain, and I was supposed to be having my devotionals, but instead I was arguing with the Holy Spirit. Have you ever done that? It's pointless, by the way, just a pro tip. It's pointless. But I was arguing with the Holy Spirit. You see, the Holy Spirit was telling me no, but I really wanted to hear a yes. I had to buy some plane tickets to return back to the United States. I had been serving as a missionary in Spain, as a short-term missionary, and I wanted to stay in Spain. I loved the people who I was partnering with in mission work. I loved Madrid. I loved the food, the cheeses, you guys. Next level cheese. Next level. I wanted to stay there. It was more, far more comfortable for me as a missionary kid from Brazil to be in Spain than to imagine myself in the U.S. And for some of you, you're like, it's great here. It is great here. But when you're a missionary kid and all you know is another culture, this is the foreign culture. Does that make sense? And so I was arguing with the Lord. And the Lord was saying, no, Rebecca. Buy that plane ticket. Go back to the U.S. Today, our passage is in Acts 16. So if you have your Bibles with you or your phone, I won't assume you're, you're doing other things, but I am a professional at pretending like you guys are not on your phones doing other things because I'm a high school teacher, and you know, right? Like that never happens. So we're at Acts 16, and our passage today is starting in verse 6. But you know how scripture is, right? If you're going to do your due diligence with scripture, you got to know the backstory to the story that you're preaching on. And the backstory is an argument. This is the story of Paul and Barnabas who had completed their first missionary journey and they had had a very, very successful first journey. They had planted churches all through the region of Galatia and the island of Cyprus. And, and Paul says to Barnabas, let's double back. 
let's go back and visit those churches that we planted. And Barnabas goes, that's a great idea. We should also take John Mark. Now, if you know the story, John Mark on the first trip abandons the team. We're not told why, but he abandons the team, probably because he's a teenager and it freaked him out. But he abandons the team. So Barnabas says, yeah, let's take John Mark. And Paul goes, no, we're not taking John Mark. He is unreliable. So they're arguing with each other, and it's a significant argument. It's not like, let's just agree to disagree agreeably. Wasn't that kind? It was intense. The word there in the Greek is paroxysmos. It was intense, okay? So, so when, when they disagree, Barnabas takes John Mark off to Cyprus to visit the churches in Cyprus, and Paul takes Silas, who was a very well-known and respected teacher and prophet of the church in Antioch of Syria. And so he takes Silas with him. And they do, they go back to the region of Galatia, they revisit all those churches, and they pick up, interestingly enough, another teenager. They pick up young Timothy. Interesting. So Paul says no to John Mark, but yes to the other teenager, Timothy. So as they've reached and they've gone through all the way through the region of Galatia, and they're at the farther, farthest western spot of the churches that they planted on their first missionary journey, they have a decision to make. Should they go home? They accomplished their intended mission. Or should they keep going? So if you're with me, follow. We're in verse 6. Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. When they came to the border of Mycenae, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. What? What does the Holy Spirit have against the gospel being spread into new territory? This makes no sense. This doesn't make any sense. All of this is a lot of no's. No on an argument. Who's going to Galatia? Who's going to Cyprus? That's a lot of no's. And now a no from the Holy Spirit? And I want you to look at a map. I'm a high school teacher. I love me some maps, okay? We're going to learn some geography today. Notice the thick line, little arrow, my little handmade arrow there. Do you see where Antioch of Pisidia is? That was the farthern western spot that they had gone on their first missionary journey. And it would have made sense to have just taken the very famous Via Sebaste. It exists even till today in modern Turkey. If you go from Antioch of Pisidia straight to Ephesus, there was a major trade route there. It would have made perfect sense. Let's just go another 200 and some miles and make our way to Ephesus one of the most glorious, most beautiful, most well-educated jewels of the Roman Empire. That would have made sense. 
Staying on the Via Sebaste made sense, but instead the Holy Spirit says, no. Mm -mm. And I think what's important is that it says specifically said no to the gospel being preached there. This doesn't make any sort of missionary sense. Doesn't make any sort of human sense. To hear a no about preaching the word. What do we do when the Holy Spirit's leadership is no? So instead, the team sets off and they go and they try to enter into Bithynia and Mycenae. Do you see? But the Holy Spirit keeps saying no. Don't go into one direction. Don't go to another. So they find themselves 450, 450 miles out of their comfort zone. Have you ever been in a car when something has happened and you have a long way to go with a lot of tension in the car? 450 miles is long in a car. 450 miles when you're walking? That's a long no. That's a long no. You have to imagine. We're going to use our holy imaginations here. You have to imagine that things got a little uncomfortable on the team. You have to imagine that Paul might have said, did I mess up when I said no to Barnabas? Is this, is this my fault? Am I, am, I, am, I, am I only successful when I'm with Barnabas? And Timothy, young teenager Timothy, is probably saying super like inappropriate stuff. He doesn't read the room real well. He's probably not, he's young in the Lord. Like, are we there yet? Uh, we don't know where there is. So as they move north, it says that ultimately then they go down to Troas. Now you have to remember that in the ancient world, they don't orient themselves. They didn't orient themselves north, south, east, west. They oriented themselves um, by altitude. So they're going from the mountains down to the coastal city of Troas. It's a detour. It's unfamiliar territory. It's certainly not what they planned, and they still have no idea what to do. That's a long, long no. It would have made much more sense, and I want you to see this. Map number two, it would have made a lot more sense to have gone straight to Ephesus. What you're seeing here are the seven churches that we find in the book of Revelation. The letters to the churches in Revelation, the seven churches were all located in the territory that the Holy Spirit said no to. What? So we know that because we have the fullness of the New Testament. Paul doesn't know that. Silas doesn't know that one day the gospel will reach that territory. So 
you see that Paul had a good strategy. Let's go there. These cities, the starred cities, the seven churches of the book of Revelation, were all in the province of Asia. Now that's Roman Empire Asia, not modern day Asia, okay? And, and these are university cities, cities that had uh, very fruitful trade routes, uh, a robust tourism industry. These were wealthy cities. And we know this because when we read the book of Revelation, those things are exposed as their sins, their reliances. But Paul, he's looking at that region going, we should go there. And the Holy Spirit says, no, you shouldn't. No, you shouldn't. I'm taking you to where it's unfamiliar. So let's read verses 8 and 9. So what are they to do? So they passed by Mycenae and went down to Troas. And during the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. Come over to Macedonia and help us. Finally, finally, a yes. Finally, some direction. Finally, some vision. Finally, a yes. And you guys, this is huge. Sometimes we read our Bibles so quickly, we don't always read them very carefully, but when you look at maps, you see that they're about to enter into a new continent. God's vision for Paul was so much greater than Paul's vision for Paul. Because you see, the moment that they cross over, they go from Troas into Neapolis and Philippi, they've crossed over into Europe, a totally different continent. And the gospel is going to be taken to a place that not even Paul could have imagined. And Silas and Timothy are particularly equipped as Greeks to be able to go to a region that no, no known Christians were there. It's not until they get to Corinth that they meet Priscilla and Aquila. So it was a no that led to a yes. It led to yes and new partnerships. Yes to new people. And I want you to notice something in verse 10. This is really important. In verse 10, it said, After Paul had seen the vision, we. Okay, wait a second. Let's go back to verse 9. Actually, verse 8. When he said, So they passed by Mycenae. And now we're in verse 10. We got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. Who's the we? Luke. Luke's now a part of the story. A doctor has joined the team. What? Some scholars believe that the vision of the man from Macedonia is Luke calling to Paul. And so when, when Paul is in Troas, he immediately identifies Luke because Luke was in his vision. That's one theory. It makes a lot of sense, doesn't it? So 
the author of one of our four Gospels, the author of the book of Acts, has joined the team. And so what, what just seemed like so much uncertainty, so much unfamiliar territory, such discomfort at hearing a no led to a yes. In an amazing team, amazing partnership, new territory, the gospel is going further than Paul could have even envisioned for himself. In 1998, I heard a no. And I'm going to be really honest with you, it didn't make a lot of sense. I was open. In fact, I preferred a missionary life. I wanted it. I didn't want to live in the States. I wanted to live overseas. I wanted to work in church planting. I wanted to work with the missionaries there. I loved the people. And because I was already a fluent speaker in one Latin language, because we speak Portuguese in Brazil, I learned Castilian Spanish so quickly. From a human standpoint, I was perfect for a mission work in Spain. When I got on that plane in September, I was still arguing with the Lord. Come on, I'm perfect for the job. I can speak the language. I won't even need to go to language school. I'm per I, I had already raised all my support for short-term missions. All I had to do was notify my supporters. I'm just going to keep on going, people. Everyone good with that? Great. You guys, I had it all in place. But what I didn't have in place was the willingness to go where the Spirit led. I was willing to go where Rebecca led, not where the Spirit led. And it takes time to be willing to let go of our preconceptions of what makes sense and to then allow and value the outcomes that the Holy Spirit desires for us. So in 1998, I could not have handled the Lord's vision for my life. I didn't have the eyes to see, I didn't have the ears to hear, and I did not have the heart to obey because I was stuck on my own way, stuck on my own vision. How about you? Where has the Holy Spirit been saying no? You really wanted a yes. Maybe it was a job. Maybe it was a spouse. Maybe it was a child. Maybe it was an opportunity. Maybe you have felt yourself like on that 450-mile journey. Now what? What's next for me? You see, we want to be led with yeses, don't we? We want really clear direction. We want a vision from Macedonia really clear. But instead, what we get 
is a long journey with a teenager who says, are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? And we have no answer. You see, sometimes we have to sit in the no to get to some spirit-led yeses. So I just have some questions for you and some things to consider. I think we get in a rut with our relationships, don't you? We surround ourselves with the people that are like us, that we're comfortable with. And it's hard to branch out. It's hard to branch out. I, I, I'm a high school teacher, and I see, I see the kids always write in their own little clusters, and then, they, then something happens, there's some kind of teen drama, and then they lose their friend groups, and then you have the one who's now on the outs and has to find new friends. Are you willing to say yes? Instead of to the comfortable and to the successful, are you willing to say yes to the Holy Spirit? Are you willing to wait? Man, we're terrible at waiting. We have 24-hour everything. Wouldn't it be great if we had a 24-hour, like, the Staples button? They have a button, right? Couldn't we have the 24-hour, answer me now, God, button, boom, I'm ready. Give it to me. No such thing. No such button. In fact, the work of the Holy Spirit, the good work of the Holy Spirit happens in the waiting. Because our hearts get tenderized. Our minds, we start to rethink our preconceptions. And all of a sudden, what we would never have listened to well, maybe we should consider that time of waiting is a necessary and important part of our transformation into Christ-likeness. It's an important part of growing our faith. You see, the Holy Spirit wants to take us to some new territory, some new spiritual soil. And if it's new spiritual soil, it's probably going to be unfamiliar. It's probably going to be unfamiliar. So what do you do? What do you do while you're in the no? What do you do until you get to your yes? 1998, I got on that airplane. I left Spain and it didn't make any sense to me, and I grieved it, you guys, I grieved it. And, and then when you're part of a missionary family, and then you go home, and mom and dad are like, wait, what? God said no to Spain? Wait, what? God said no to you being in missions? Honey, are you sure you heard him right? <laughs> and you really can't explain it? How do you explain to your missionary parents that that's not the call on your life? Isn't that supposed to be the call on everybody's life, but just some of us say yes? I had to work out some of my preconceived ideas. I had to work out my entire childhood, you guys. It was painful. Four years of no. Four years of waiting. 
four years of being on a journey where people kept asking me if I was there yet, and I was like, I don't even know where there is. Four years of going to missions conferences, four years of sitting in churches, and there'd be missionaries there, and I'm like, that, that's what I want, but okay. Four years. And in 2002, also in the summer, in a series of five weeks, three different people, groups of people, came to me to tell me a very specific message. You see, I was about to get my vision from the Macedonian man, but God used my parents, my pastor and head elder, and what I call my pagan friend, Sarah. So my pastor, I was part of a church plant at the time. This is prior to me going to Centennial Covenant. My pastor at the time and the head elder of our church plant said, Rebecca, you're doing so much work leading in the church in our little church plant. We really think you should get a theological education and then you can pursue ordination, come work in our church and, and you could then join our pastoral staff. I was like, really? Oh. And then my parents sat me down uh, over dinner and uh, you could tell they had planned the conversation because they kept like making that eye contact with each other. No, you start it. No, you start it. No, you start it. And then my, my dad finally said, honey, we really think that, um, that the Lord does have a call in your life. And when he's ready to reveal that to you, you should probably at least have your seminary degree under your belt. And I was like, okay, my pastor just, uh, elder just talked to me about this. Lord, is that you? Is that my, is that my Troas? Is that, is that where I'm supposed to go? And then my pagan friend, Sarah, who shared the office cubicle with me at this little startup company that I was a part of, she said, um, hey, Rebecca, you know how you've been looking at grad schools? And I was like, yeah. She's like, I, 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 is there like a school for like people who just like want to talk about God all the time. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, yeah, like there's a specific school for that. And she said, whatever, that's what you should do. <laughs> okay, when the Lord speaks through your pagan friend, <laughs> you might want to be paying attention. So within five weeks, I went from, I have no idea, okay, Lord, I'm, you know, please let me move on, please show me what's next, to, uh, I, I, I think, I think I'm supposed to go to seminary. All right, that's expensive. Okay, Lord, here we go. And I did go to seminary, having no idea what the Lord would have for me, except for my, my pastor had sort of dangled that maybe you could join us, you know, and, and as church staff. And I thought, oh, that's, that, that makes sense. That makes sense. Just kind of, I'm just going to be in the States, in Colorado. That's not bad. I love Colorado. That's good. That's good. I'm getting used to it. I'm making friends here. Um, but you guys, I graduated from Denver Seminary in uh, May of 2005, and my small little church plant was disbanded in June of 2005. Uh, no Part B. And, you know, once again, I wasn't ready for the yes, the full yes. 
If the Lord had revealed in 1998 or even 2002, Rebecca, my call on your life is for you to work with the people group that most terrifies you, American high schoolers. <laughs> I would have pulled a Jonah. I would have fled so... I would have stayed in the belly of the whale and welcomed it. Uh, because nothing, growing up as a missionary kid, we'd come, you know, to visit churches every four years. We'd meet American teenagers, and they'd just be like so intense, like, oh, oh, so different than what I was growing up in and what I knew. So the Lord had to give me the vision just enough for me to take that next step of faith, just enough for me to take that step into unfamiliar territory, just enough to form new relationships, new friendships I would never have considered before. So I did teach at Colorado Christian University. I call that my transition time. I t taught at CCU in their College of Adult and Graduate Studies. I understand you guys have a partnership with them. I taught with them for six years. Six years while I was getting married, having babies, and, and the Lord knew that I, needed to, um, that I needed to work some things out, and so he gave me six years. Six years of getting my heart right, my head right, my ears right, my feet right, to go where I needed to go. New spiritual soil, new relationships, new outcomes. Sometimes the Holy Spirit's no is what gets us to his yes. And I know, I know that you're in a season of no as a community. I know. You're looking for your next pastor. The Lord has been so gracious to give you Stephen Darlene. I have to tell you, Amen. I have grown up under this man and this woman's mentorship. You are so blessed to have them here. It's a kindness, isn't it? And you're in the know right now. You're on that awkward 450-mile trip. And some of you are going, are we there yet? and you're trying to hurry things along maybe, or you're wondering why? Why haven't we figured this out? Why? Lord, just, we need a pastor, and you do. You're, you're not doing anything wrong, but doesn't it start to feel like you're doing some things? Wait, wait is this, wait, you start to second guess yourself, right? And all of that, in the meantime, your faith is being built. Your vision is getting refined. So what do you do? Grace covenant, what do you do in the know? What do you do while you're walking to Troas? What do you do? You stick to what you already know you should be doing. Passionately love God. If your heart right now, if you've been you've been interacting with God, your relationship with him is on the sidelines. If God is your side chick, repent. Passionately love God. 
connect. Connect with each other. Connect with your values. Connect with your vision. Connect with your community. Connect. Grow. But how can we grow? How can we go without a senior pastor? Uh, you can grow. You can grow. It just might not be the ways you were hoping to grow. Maybe instead of quantity, we're looking for some quality. Quality growth. To serve, continue to serve. You know, the thing about it is when we feel uncertain, we, we, we get, we start looking at ourselves. We, we get tunnel visioned. Oh, this is not happening. What's happening? And we, we, we stop looking at what the Holy Spirit is already doing. Instead of us looking, how can I partner with what the Holy Spirit's already doing? We're, oh, we've got problems. We start looking inwards. If that's where you're at, look outwards. Lift up your head. Look outwards. See what's out there, what the Lord is already doing. And boldly live out the good news. Boldly live out the good news. You know, Steve might have retired from our church, but as my dad said, you never retire from the gospel, Rebecca. Pastor, no pastor, 5,000 congregation, 50 congregation. We never retire from the gospel. The gospel still moves forward. So from that blue couch in Madrid, Spain, with the excellent cheese, to Highlands Ranch, Colorado, and the beautiful weather, listen to those no's. Let the Spirit lead you with a no. Pray with me. Lord, we believe that you are good. We believe that you know exactly what's next. So we pray in this time of waiting that you would help us to wait on you, on your time. And in the meantime, that Holy Spirit, you would do your work amongst us that you would work in our hearts, work in our minds, work in our perceptions, work in our community, work in our relationships to help us to be ready for the vision that comes next. We're so thankful for you, Lord Jesus. We're so thankful for the work on the cross. We're so thankful that you have invited us into life, not death. And so here we are waiting on you, Holy Spirit. We pray these things in the name of the one who loves us best, Jesus Christ. Amen. Run to the Father, fall into grace. I'm done with the hiding, no reason to wait. My heart needs a surgeon, my soul needs a friend So I'll run to the Father again and again Yes, I'll run to the Father, I fall into grace I'm done with the hiding, 
so much to Rebecca. What a timely word for, I'm sure, many of us individually and for this community. And, uh, you know, I'd say, Rebecca, if you didn't, if I wasn't real positive, God wants you with those teenagers. Um, I think you should apply for the job here, but that's, I'm kind of thinking that would be a no. <laughs> so, but anyway, thank you so much for ministering to us today. Um, as you head out, you can leave your connection card uh, in, the, in the box at the back, along with any gifts you might have for the mission of Grace Covenant Church. You can use that QR code to do either one of those as well. And, and then a big thing coming up, part of our living out the good news to our community is the carnival. It's not, it's not, not, that's not just, let's have a good social time together. We are intentionally reaching out to, to this neighborhood. And uh, so it, we need your prayers on that. We also need you to invite folks. We need you to as the Spirit would lead to volunteer for some fun things to do, simple things to do, and there are sign-up sheets around the room. And uh, to catch the spirit of this, we're going to do an encore of a one-minute video that Chris Nordberg uh, prepared for us a few weeks ago. So let's let's, uh, take a look at this, and then I hope that will generate some enthusiasm to volunteer for the carnival. Take a look. 
great event coming up in two weeks. Let's stand together. As you go on your way, may you know that the Jesus, the Jesus Christ, our risen Lord, goes with you. He goes before you. And he, he, he may have some no's, but uh, as he looks at you, uh, his heart is one huge, enormous yes of, of love and wisdom. God be with you. Amen.